our podcast, Dental Study Bites Patient Case Reviews. It's Jess and Neha here. For those of you who don't know us, we are currently fourth-year dental students at the University of Minnesota. In this podcast, we talk about patient cases and incorporate high-yield board facts to help students prepare for the INBDE. Today, we're going to be covering a review of pharmacology. Again, today, there will not be a specific case covered for pharmacology since we want to be able to touch on quite a few different drugs. We won't be able to touch on all of them today, but we will do a quick overview the best we can. Also, before we get rolling, if everyone could do us a huge favor and fill out the survey after listening to this episode, it would help us out immensely. The survey is located in the bio of our podcast. Yes, if everyone could do that, we would be super grateful. Thanks guys in advance. The first drug group we would like to talk about is antibiotics. Let's start with penicillins. What are some examples from this group and what are some key concepts to remember about them, Neha? Some examples of this drug group are ampicillin, amoxicillin, penicillin G, and penicillin V. Penicillins are bactericidal. They inhibit cell wall synthesis. They're also similar in structure to cephalosporins. So if someone is allergic to cephalosporins, it may be wise to avoid penicillins as well. Jess, would you like to talk about the tetracyclines? Sure. Tetracyclines are bacteriostatic and are protein synthesis inhibitors of the 30S ribosomal subunit. This group has the largest antimicrobial spectrum. They are also associated with liver damage. What about lycosamides? Lincosamides are bacteriostatic. They are protein inhibitors of the 50S ribosomal subunit, not the 30S ribosomal subunit like the tetracyclines. A common example from this group is clindamycin. What is the common board's question for clindamycin, Jess? A side effect of clindamycin can be pseudomembranous colitis. Exactly. The final antibiotic we will talk about is sulfonamides. Sulfonamides are bacteriostatic and are foliate synthesis inhibitors. Another common board topic that people will get a question on is when an antibiotic prophylaxis is required. When is that, Neha? An antibiotic prophylaxis is required when a patient has a prosthetic heart valve, a history of endocarditis, a heart transplant with valvopathy or valve dysfunction, congenital heart problems, and in some cases with compromised immunity, such as an organ transplant or cancer. Awesome. Let's move on to the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems. The parasympathetic nervous system is often associated with rest and digest, whereas the sympathetic nervous system is associated with fight or flight. All nerve pathways for both systems originate from the central nervous system. Examples of the parasympathetic nervous system at work are pupil constriction, heartbeat slowing, constriction of bronchial tubules, stimulation of bile release, blood vessel constriction, increase in digestive activity, and urinary release. Examples of the sympathetic nervous system would be pupils dilating, heartbeat increasing, dilation of bronchial tubes, sweat gland stimulation, increased breakdown of glycogen to glucose, decrease in digestive system, and relaxation of bladder. Let's go over some key differences between the systems. The parasympathetic nervous system has a long preganglionic neuron and a short postganglionic neuron near the target organ. The sympathetic nervous system is the opposite. The parasympathetic nervous system uses acetylcholine everywhere, whereas the sympathetic nervous system uses acetylcholine only to the ganglion, and then it uses norepinephrine and epinephrine everywhere else. The parasympathetic nervous system uses muscarinic metatropic receptors to target organs, whereas the sympathetic nervous system uses androgenic metatropic receptors to target organs. 
It is important to understand the different receptors because different drugs, which we do not have time to go over today, will impact these receptors differently. If you have a general knowledge of the PSNS and SNS and their receptors, you won't have to memorize as much information. For instance, pilocarpine is a drug that should be memorized for boards. This drug acts to stimulate saliva or constrict pupils. It activates the muscarinic receptors by mimicking acetylcholine. Now remember, muscarinic receptors are associated with the parasympathetic nervous system. This drug is stimulating that system, which means we should think about the general characteristics of the parasympathetic nervous system. So we should be thinking about parts of our body resting and digesting. When you go to eat or digest, saliva is stimulated. So it makes sense this drug, a muscarinic receptor agonist, causes saliva to be stimulated because we are working on the parasympathetic nervous system. I found it helpful to walk through this thought process with all the drugs I had to memorize for boards in this category because it makes it more about comprehension and less about random facts. So it is easier to retain that information in my opinion. Switching gears slightly, a common boards question is how acetylcholine is made. Can you talk about that, Jess? Sure. Acetylcholine is made of acetyl-CoA and choline. It is catalyzed by choline acetyltransferase and is reversed by acetylcholinesterase. How are epinephrine and norepinephrine made, Neha? Well, you start with tyrosine, which then goes to L-dopa, which then goes to dopamine, which then creates norepinephrine and then finally epinephrine. Awesome. Let's move to analgesics and dentistry. This is a heavily tested subject in the pharmacology section. Let's first talk about acetaminophen, or commonly called Tylenol. Its main job is to inhibit pain in the CNS. It should be used with caution in patients who have liver issues, and this is the safest analgesic to give patients in general. It is the drug of choice for those who are pregnant or for a child that is ill. Aspirin is an NSAID by inhibiting COX-1 and COX-2. This inhibition is not reversible. It is an anti-inflammatory and antipyretic. It can inhibit platelet aggregation by inhibiting TXA2 synthesis, so it can occasionally be used as an adjunct in those susceptible to a blood clot. If given in a child, it can cause Reyes syndrome, so avoid prescribing it to kids. Ibuprofen is an NSAID that is a COX-1 and COX-2 blocker. This mechanism is reversible. If a patient has issues with their kidneys, another analgesic should be considered. Opioids are also an analgesic for moderate to severe pain. They are opioid receptor agonists. When an individual takes these, they can still sense pain, but they have a decreased reaction to it. Common adverse experiences are sedation, xerostomia, nausea, constipation, and itching. Adverse reactions include respiratory depression as well. Naloxone is a drug that is used for opioid overdose reversal if a bad reaction were to occur. It is a competitive antagonist of the Mu, Kappa, and Delta receptors. Another analgesic is nitrous oxide. This is a colorless gas prepared by heating ammonium nitrate. It produces a tingling sensation before onset and can lead to nausea. It can also lead to diffusion hypoxia if not enough oxygen is given to the patient after they are taken off of nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide is also used for its anxiolytic effects. Awesome. Well, by no means did we cover everything that you will need to know for pharmacology for the boards in this episode. This is one of those sections for boards where you have to set some time aside to memorize the different drugs, and it's important to know what they do. 
However, what we tried to do today is cover as many concepts around dental pharmacology to help aid in memorizing some of those drugs. As always, thanks for taking time to listen to the podcast. Again, if you could do us a huge favor and fill out that questionnaire attached to this podcast, that would be amazing and would help Neha and I out with our research project. Thanks and have an awesome day. Thank you.